So as uh, Phil has already said, we are working through our core values as a church. So if you're... No, it's a bit strong. If you're visiting, you've come part way through, but they are stand alone. But this one, in a way, follows quite um, a lot from what Phil was speaking about, about us being a loving church last week. Um, and so today we're talking more about belonging. And as soon as I started thinking about this word belonging, the first thing that came to mind was something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And uh, so here it is. And uh, if you're on social media, you'll know that uh, quite a few um, clever people have put one at the bottom there, which is called Wi-Fi, which is clearly the foundation of all the other needs that we have, and therefore the most important. Um, I don't think Maslow knew about Wi-Fi, otherwise I'm sure that he would have put it in. So it starts at the bottom there um, with the physiological needs, which include things like air and water, food, shelter and sleep. And they are foundational, and we know that, because as soon as we are deprived of any of those things, uh, particularly, obviously, air, but any of the other things, <laughs> for any length of time, everything else crumbles and falls immediately at that point. So whilst the other things at one level seem more important, actually, they're built on the foundation of our physiological needs. And then we move into the orange zone, where we're talking about personal security, employment, resources, health, and property under the heading of safety. And actually, we've been speaking about those in refugee camps this morning already. And it's many of those things that are stripped away at that level. So they may have food and water. They may be able to sleep. They may be clothed. But actually, the next level things are all the things that are stripped away. And then the rest of the stuff starts to crumble. The yellow zone, love and belonging. We're talking here about friendship, intimacy, family, that sense of belonging, and we'll obviously explore that more this morning. Esteem covers respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. And right at the top there is the desire to become the most that we can be. It's that thing where we think, am I fulfilled? But notice that's at the top of the pyramid once everything else has been met. Belonging is a really, really important part of who we are. There's something deep within our human psyche that says that we need to belong. We long to belong to someone, to some place, to a group of people. And I want to start this morning by reminding us here in the church that all of our belonging starts with Jesus Christ, that he is the foundation of our belonging in the church, we belong because of Jesus. It says in Galatians 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus breaking down the walls that divided people from one another and joining us back together, making us belong it's not about style, it's not about denomination, it's not about dress sense, it's not about our status. We belong as part of the church because of Jesus, because he has included us. And if I said nothing else this morning, that would be the most important thing, that while we were still sinners, whilst we were far away from him, 
He chose to include us and to allow us to belong. And that is a wonderful truth this morning. And if we have any uncertainty about that, then that's where we need to start. That first and foremost, we can belong to Jesus because he loves us and he's brought us into his family. But I want us to think about what it means to belong to the church. First of all, we belong to the church throughout the ages. We belong to something that has endured time. I think that's an amazing reality. It says in the Apostles' Creed that we are the communion of saints. From the beginning, right through to the very end, we are part of something. We belong to the church, the early church, to the great leaders and reformers, to the hymn writers and the singers of Gregorian chants, to the social activists and society transform us. We belong to something that has endured through every war, through famine, through marginalization, through persecution. We belong to the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good thing? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We belong to that church, the church of Jesus Christ that stands through all time. Now, I love history, but my church history teacher was the most boring person in the universe. He really, really was. He had pages and pages and pages of handwritten notes, which he read to us at a slow and monotonous pace. But church history is genuinely super exciting. And we have at times gone through it to remind us of who we belong to, of the line that we are in, that we belong to something that is so much bigger than even this snapshot of the church in 2020. Exciting though it is, we belong to something that has endured and will endure until Jesus comes again. We also belong to a global church. And this is also brilliant. Multi-ethnic, multi-coloured, diverse, dynamic, multilingual, courageous, creative communities in every nation who name Jesus as Lord. That's fantastic as well, isn't it? That this is not all there is. And the church of Jesus Christ is exploding. So people sometimes say, oh, well, the church is declining, isn't it? Not across the globe, it isn't. And as Gavin Calver so often says in the talk that I've heard him give a lot of times, there is no section in heaven marked British people. There is one church, one church. It is a global church. We belong to a community of two and a half billion people. Well, that's quite exciting, isn't it? And it is wonderful when you get even the smallest sense of the global church. That song that we sung this morning, Waymaker, was written by a Nigerian believer in her context, a context where the church is exploding in a way that we can hardly get our heads around, but where persecution is also nearly as extreme as anywhere across the globe. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, even when I can't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel that you're working, when we see the context of its writing, it means even more. We're part of a global church. And there is that hope in heaven that people from every single tribe and tongue and nation will be there worshipping Jesus because we belong to him first from every place across the globe. We also belong to a multi-generational church. This is something that is 
almost unique about the church compared to other organizations, that is, where people of every age and every status in the church are represented, where everyone is included, where at its best everyone belongs equally. The children are not the church of tomorrow, my friends, they're the church of today. Our young people are the church of today. We are also the church of today. There isn't a church of tomorrow, there's this church today, and we get older, but it's the same church. It's the same church. Different ages, at different stages, we bring our best to the church, to the whole. We have all-age worship here, not because we need to fill the summer services, because there's not enough Sunday gang leaders. We have all-age services because we believe that it's possible and good for us to worship and learn together all ages. That actually something different happens when we are all in the same place, worshiping, where we are all seeking to learn differently. And particularly last summer, we all commented on the depth, the depth and the sense of the presence of God in our all-age worship as we learn things in a different way from the way we normally learn them. Now, that's not to say that it isn't good for children to learn together and young people to have their groups and us adults to do this boring sermon thing. But at times, it's good for us to remember that we are part of a multi-generational church. And for a good percentage of the world's church, everyone's under 30, so we better get used to it, haven't we? I want us to think for a moment about what it's like to be church in our culture. Because our culture values the individual above the group. We belong to an individualistic culture, and these are some of the traits of that culture. Uniqueness. Well, that's good, isn't it? I mean, we are all unique. And I'm just going to get on my little pedestal for a moment here. You cannot be especially unique or particularly unique. You're either unique or you're not. We are all unique. Okay, I'll get off again. But the thing with uniqueness is it can lead us to, well, a bit of self-importance, can't it? Well, I'm unique, you know, and I'm really important, and don't you forget it. And I now am the centre And that's the problem, isn't it? When we twist something too far and we become too important. Autonomy is one of the characteristics of an individualistic culture. I remember when um, Caitlin was little, very little, and she was just starting to become a little bit more independent. And whenever you tried to help her, she would say really strongly, I do it on my own, which is a mixture of do it by myself and do it on my own. Do it by my own. And we got the message that she was doing it by my own. And that is something that many of us say, isn't it? I do it by my own. Thank you very much. Autonomy. I can do it. I will do it. Which, of course, is quite close to self-sufficiency. How many of us, when asked how we are, how things are going, whether we need any help, no, I'm fine, thank you. Because we are programmed to say, I'm fine, thank you. Because actually it's a sign of weakness, isn't it? To say, no, actually I'd really like your help. Actually I'm not doing very well, I can't do it on my own. I do need some support. And independence, of course, is a part of that. And so how challenging is it to be the church 
in an individualistic culture where we all bring up the drawbridge. We are all in our space, in our castle, doing it on our own, self-sufficient. The opposite of this, of course, is a collectivistic culture where social rules focus on promoting selflessness. Well, that sounds quite good, doesn't it? On working as a group, on doing what's best for society, on families and where families and communities have a central role. That's what a collectivistic culture looks like. I want to show you a map. The yellow countries are ones with an individualistic preference, and the red ones with a collectivistic preference. I suspect that that is of absolutely no surprise to any of you at all. You know, the culture of the Bible mostly came from the red part of the map. And yet most of what we learn about church, most of what's written about church, most of the songs that we sing, most of the experts that we hear come from the yellow parts of the map. Interesting, isn't it? I don't know quite what we do about that, but it's definitely something to wake up to that actually maybe we need to be learning more from the red parts of the map and listening slightly less to the yellow parts of the map where we are programmed towards individualism rather than community. What might this mean for the church? Well, I think we see it, don't we, all around us in the ways that we often do church. How might this impact our sense of belonging or even our desire to belong? As Maslow represented, belonging is really, really important to us. A really important part of the culture that we live in. Over these last few years, as we've um, connected over Do You Know Him? We've recognized something important about belonging to each other, about the importance of inter-church connectedness that there is something really powerful about not being in our own little spaces, hardly ever venturing out the door, but saying, let's see what we can do together. It expresses, doesn't it, the words of Jesus. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, it expresses the prayer of Jesus that we might be one. So when we do stuff together... It points to him. Somebody said this, the church is the hope of the world. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I don't know whether you feel slightly anxious that the church is the hope for the world. When you look around you at the situation in the world right now, is this a good thing that the church is the hope for the world? But actually God has invested everything in us through Christ that we need to be the hope of the world. When we grow up, we go through stages in our development. We start dependent, don't we, as there are a few little dependent people in this congregation even right now. We are totally dependent. When we are born, and whether you had a baby, you've always you've been a baby, right? So we start, we can't do anything for ourselves. If we were left alone, we would die. We need to be fed, we need to be loved, we need to be clothed, we need to be protected, we need to be cleaned. We are completely dependent. 
And then as we grow up, we become ever increasingly independent, and that is mostly seen through the teenage years, where some of the independence is in directions that we would prefer it wasn't in. But we become independent, and there's this sense for most when leaving home is just that kind of bit of independence. And then I believe that they come back again. Now, at that point, I guess they're supposed to not be dependent, but more interdependent, because there you have adults altogether, trying to work out what this now looks like. So before, no one would have paid any rent, but now you might think that actually they should pay some rent. This is for all the parents amongst you, I'm saying this. And before, they might not have helped with cooking dinner, but now you think, well, maybe they should, because there's this interdependence going on. I wonder where we find ourselves along there, because some of us get stuck in dependence, and some of us get stuck in independence. But actually, we were created to be interdependent. It was God's plan from the very, very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. And he stands back and he has a look at it and he says, it's very good. It's very good. And then it's almost as if he scratches his head, if you understand me. And he looks at this human that he's made. And he said... Actually, it's not good for this human being to be alone. That's not good. So I'm going to make another one like him. Like him. And so he creates the woman out of the man. And he says, the man is named in Hebrew is Ish. And the woman is Isha. It's just the feminine version. Two that are like each other so that they can be interdependent, they can be connected, they can relate together. From the very beginning, it was God's design that we shouldn't be independent, but interdependent. Someone defined it like this, interdependence is the relationship between two or more living things where each one benefits from the other. It may be marriage, but it doesn't have to be. It may be family, but it doesn't have to be. It's about the relationships between human beings that create that mutual benefit, that sense of belonging and being wanted and loved. I would like you to uh, watch this video. I 
love that. I found it about 10 years ago, and boy, did it take me a long time to find it again. It's smarter to travel in groups. You know, that's what we're made for. It changes everything. It changes everything when we are together, not separate. Where we've moved through these levels to being interdependent, when we realize that we need one another, where we have gained enough security in who we are and maturity and humility to recognize that I am not enough and I can't do it on my own, but I need you and you need me. Desire to relate to each other is a sign of maturity, isn't it? And so in this church, we, we try to facilitate that, sometimes better than others, but actually we don't want are relating to each other to be looking at the back of the person in front of you's head as that being your sign of relating to each other because the best relationships don't come like that, do they? And so we have small groups and, and at times we can't produce them fast enough. And some of you feel a real sense of belonging to your small group and some of you don't. You're just a name on a list. And some of you are not part of a small group. But we feel that those are places where we learn how to belong, where we learn how to be interdependent, where we give and we receive, where we are strong and we are weak, where we are known and we know people. So we're working with that still. And we are going all retro, because it's good to go retro, isn't it? And we're thinking about having coffee mornings. Do you remember that? I mean, you can have like better mugs, maybe, and even better coffee. But to try and connect people to each other. So this Saturday in Gargrave, Felicity, Felicity has invited all the Gargrave and sort of outer reaches, Long Preston and so on, to her home for coffee at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Because there's loads of people that live in that kind of area who don't know that they're connected to each other and belong to each other and belong to that community, they don't know. So we're kind of starting that. And we're hoping that, that maybe we can have one down in Sutton area. And maybe we can have one in Skipton. And, well, you know, to be fair, you could just have one and ask us and say, who lives in my area? And we could tell you. And it will help us to connect and have a sense of belonging to each other and belonging to the community where we find ourselves. And some of you need a deeper sense of belonging and you need to be part of a prayer triplet or something like that where you can be more vulnerable, more honest, more authentic, more known and can belong to at a deeper level to other people within this church because belonging, interdependence, is a sign of maturity we are the body of Christ. And my question is this, what thumbprint do people see? Do they see lots of people sitting in rows? Is that the thumbprint that they see of the church? Or do they see a thumbprint which is the best example of interdependence? Where the community is really functioning, where people serve and help each other, where people look out for each other, where people stand up for each other, where we are known and where we belong. Actually, lots of people who've come into our church have said that the main reason they've come is because they feel loved when they get here. Well, that's really important, but that's not a pat ourselves on the back thing because it's hard to keep that going, isn't it? And sometimes we're better at it, sometimes we're less good at it, but we need to be doing that so people really feel that they 
belong. It is a desperate need in our society, the need to belong. And then we read that brilliant passage, didn't we, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which reminds us about what it is to be the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter whether you are a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear or a spleen. It doesn't matter. I think the only bit of the body that you can get rid of really without any impact seems to be the appendix. You know, we, are, we need each other. We need all of you. It isn't just that we need certain types of people. We need every type of people. We need you all to be belonging. And we bring out so many different gifts. And some people play the piano and some people wash cups and some people serve great coffee and some people put the chairs out every week and some people listen really brilliantly to other people and other people remember names and say hello with meaning. You know, we need everybody who belongs to this community here, Skipton Baptist Church or whichever church you might be from this morning, to play their part And actually, Paul intentionally makes us laugh to get his point across, which is why I wanted to read it to you for the message. Because actually we go, oh yes, I know that, in a very serious way. But actually he's making us laugh. He's saying, don't be ridiculous. Don't think that you're not important because you really are. Don't think some things, some people are more important than others because everyone is important, everyone belongs, and we need to honour everyone in the same way. He goes on in this passage to talk more about what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And he talks about the spiritual gifts. And I think the main thing I want to say this morning, which is not very much at all, is that we are contributors and not consumers. And I think that that's a really important thing for us to say, because whether it's the UK church or the US church or the Australian church, any of the yellow countries, we are are being brought up from birth as consumers. We consume everything. We love to be and expect to be entertained. It's the way that we are wired now. And so that's kind of how we are in church because, well, our culture is with us most of the week and church is just an hour. So it's so easy for us. Our default is consumer. And we need to be those who contribute. Whatever God has put in us to contribute, that's what we should contribute. Just the thing that he's given us. So if you're good at sitting peacefully with someone else and making them feel okay about themselves, well, do that. And if you give coffee to people and you love it, do that. You know, whatever God has put in you, that's what you should be bringing to this sense of belonging but in the Spirit of God. You know, it's the Spirit of God who gives unity and the Spirit of God who empowers us with the right kind of attitudes in the way that we serve. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's how we bring the contributions that we have. And Phil mentioned this very briefly last week and I'm going to mention it very briefly again this week. But the whole of... The New Testament talks so much about the way that we look after 
one another, our commitment to one another. How powerful it is to be part of a community where you are accepted for who you are. I mean, that is just the biggest gift, isn't it? To be able to turn up exactly as you are and people accept you. I think that is one of the greatest privileges that our young people have, actually, where most of the cultures they find themselves in is, I've got to be someone, I've got to be a certain type, I've got to wear certain things. To be in a group where you can just be who you are is a huge gift, but that's true across the church, to be accepted. How brilliant it is when you mess up, I mean, obviously none of you do that, but I occasionally do, to be in a community where it says, forgive each other. To know that you can make a mistake, you can say, I'm sorry, and then the other people say, I forgive you, and it's sorted. Isn't that amazing? To be in a, in a community that reconciles, that forgives itself, that heals the wounds that inevitably come sometimes, where we bear with each other. You know, when, someone, when I'm being an idiot, somebody bears with me. And they kind of stick there, and they kind of put up with me. And then they love me enough to say, oh, by the way, you're being a little bit of an idiot right now. And that's okay. Isn't that the kind of community that we want to belong to, where we encourage each other, where we show compassion for each other, where when we're going through tough times and hardships, people come alongside us and say, I will walk with you. I will walk with you for as long as it takes I'll be there for you for as long as it takes. And I'm never going to say, haven't you got over that yet? Because we're going to bear with each other. We're going to show comfort to one another and compassion to one another. Overnight, the news came in, didn't it, that Caroline Flack, who many of you will have seen on the television, and if you haven't, your children will have done, had taken her own life in the face of huge difficulties and isolation. And if you read the social media feeds, you'll think that she was the best known and loved person by every person who you, whose name you know across the globe today. You know, Jonathan Ross, Anton Deck, Davina McCall, everybody who's in the media right now has written their sympathy. And I'm not saying it's empty, by the way. But somewhere in her heart... Yesterday, she felt so lonely and such a sense of not belonging that she decided, as many, many are doing now, that taking her own life was the only and best way out. I think that we are called as God's church to be a prophetic community of belonging to people in our culture, in our individualistic, consumer, isolated, lonely culture, whatever it looks like. We are called to be a prophetic community where people can belong as they are and really feel that they do belong. Now, that's a high bar, isn't it? Because we're human and we get tired and we mess up and make mistakes and forget about people. But actually, that's our calling to be a community, a community around Jesus so that people can know him, to be there in the midst of this context we find ourselves where it's so difficult to belong, even when you seem like you belong to everyone from the outside. I think that's what we can do. I mean, we might not be able to put on always the best worship or the best preaching or the best this and that and the other, but we can help people to feel that they belong, can't we? We 
can all do that, can't we? All of us can play our part in enabling people to feel that they belong and they're part of this community here. In a moment, I'm going to let Phil lead us, but we're going to gather around the communion table. And I want to say this now, whilst you've got time to think about it, that whoever you are this morning, you belong here at the table. Because this is a table for sinners, not saints. This is a table for those who know they can't do it on their own, not for those who know they can This is a table for all of us who are saying, without Jesus, I'm nothing. I couldn't be anything. So if you're here this morning, it doesn't matter to us which church you're from, which denomination you're from, whether you've never come to church ever before. If you think this Jesus sounds like he might love me, and maybe I'd like to love him, this is a table for you.